You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Welcome to Calvary Online, and let me be the first to say, Happy Easter. We are celebrating the most important moment in human history, the resurrection of Jesus. It's why we have a faith. It's why we gather, and I am so glad that you've taken the time, you and your family, whoever's with you, to spend some time with us. So, as we get started, let me tell you about a friend of mine that spent years and years living in New York City. He's a huge country music fan, by the way, and spent years trying to get me to like country music, which really has just started to work on me over the last year or so. But he used to live in this big New York City high rise, which meant that every day he would get up in the morning, leave his apartment, get on the elevator with his little dog, go all the way down to the street, and then walk his dog and whatnot. And he, would t- he was telling me this story, and he said, you know, almost every day, he would get on the elevator and there would be this other girl, very pretty girl that would be on the elevator with him. She'd have her dog, he'd have his dog, and they would talk about, you know, whatever you talk when you're walking your dog and all that sort of thing. And so then they'd go back up. Well, anyway, one day, and this has been going on for a long time. Well, one day my friend's wife decides to go with him. So they get their dog, they get on the elevator, they're going down, they, they run into the pretty girl that he sees every day, and they start talking about kind of chit-chat, this and that, walking your dog, your dog's cute, your dog's cute, whatever. And then uh, the girl that he always talks to goes back inside, goes on the elevator, goes back up to her apartment, and my friend's wife turns to him and says, is that the girl you talk to every morning? And he says, yeah. And he says, honey, that's Beyonce. And he says, wow. Hey, who's Beyonce? And, and uh, now, which is insane, right? Now, I was telling my family this story the other night because I, I had told my daughter Mia, and she's like, I can't believe you never told us that. So the other night, I tell the story to my whole family, and everybody's laughing at the dinner table. And then my son says, dad, that's hilarious. Um, but seriously, who's Beyonce? And so, (laughs) now, I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that, a moment where you missed something really important. Maybe something amazing was happening and you didn't notice it, you didn't see it, you didn't recognize it until it was over. And if you have, you're in good company. Because two of Jesus' disciples ran into Jesus after the resurrection, and get this, they didn't even realize it was him. And here's why this is so important. Because sometimes the things that we miss are the things that really could change everything for us. And those of us that are Christians are celebrating the fact that Jesus is risen and that Easter changes everything because he's risen. It means that anything is possible, that things that were dead, dead relationships, a dead future, dead marriages, dead careers, Easter can change that because Jesus is very much alive. These two disciples that we're gonna look at, we're gonna find them walking down this road just a few miles out of Jerusalem. They're depressed, they're bummed out, They're heartbroken because their rabbi, who they thought was the Messiah, that they had followed for quite some time, had died. And here's the thing that we've got to understand, is that no one thought 
that there was going to be a second act after the crucifixion. No, no one thought that Jesus was going to do what he did, and that is uh, rise from the dead, because they thought Jesus was going to do what all people do when they die. What they, they just stay deceased. You see, there was no one at the tomb counting down. All right, guys, three, two. Nobody was counting down at the tomb. Instead, even though Jesus talked about the crucifixion, he talked about the resurrection, they still couldn't fathom what Jesus was talking about. In fact, some of his disciples were in hiding because they thought that what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them, that they were going to be the next one on Rome's hit list. So two of them are walking from Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem, into a, a little town called Emmaus, which is about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And they're having the conversations that everybody has when they lose someone. The, you know, I mean, what do we do now? I mean, how, how does this work? What, what are we supposed to do? And you got to understand, these guys had walked away from everything to follow Jesus. And now when, that he's gone, I mean, what do we do? I mean, do we go back to our old careers and, and pretend that nothing happened? I mean, do we try something new? Do we go home and tell everyone that things kind of didn't work out with the rabbi from Galilee? And, and so they're confused and they're afraid and they're worried and they're uncertain about the future. And if you've ever experienced any of those emotions, you're in good company. And the only thing that made it better was that someone unexpected showed up. When things seemed at their lowest, someone unexpected showed up and changed everything because Jesus has this way of changing everything. And it all began with a conversation. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 24, we'll start in verse 13. And it says this, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day, that is Sunday, resurrection day, uh, to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to him, what things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel indeed besides all this. Today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses 
and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, I, I, I want you to hear the words that these guys are speaking. And, and these aren't uh, words of people who have cooked up a story about Jesus rising from the dead. They're struggling with everything that happened. And Jesus tells them why they're struggling. And he says it in verse 25. He says, you're slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You see, they knew some of what the prophets had spoken about the Messiah. They knew all the parts that they liked. They knew about the triumphant Messiah who was going to defeat Israel's enemies and usher in a time of peace and prosperity for the nation of Israel. But they, they overlooked the parts that they didn't like, the parts that talked about the Messiah suffering and dying for the people. In fact, one of the most famous messianic passages is found in the book of Isaiah, and it says these words. It says, and he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought our peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own ray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. My friends, Isaiah, in extraordinary detail, predicts exactly what would be fulfilled 600 years after his time through the betrayal, trial, beatings, crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And here's the lesson for us. That's why Jesus says, listen, you're slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. The reality is, is that we can't just believe our favorite parts of the Bible or our favorite verses. In fact, what you're going to read is if you take time to read the Gospels, you'll see at minimum three occasions where Jesus spells out really clear exactly how things are going to go down, that he's going to be arrested, that he's going to be beaten, that he's going to be crucified, and then on the third day, he will be raised up again. And every time it says this, the gospel writer says that they became very sad when Jesus started talking about this. So they just kind of put it out of their mind because they didn't like it. Now listen, if we only hold on to our favorite parts of the Bible, we are in for a very rough season, especially the season that we find ourselves in right now. We have to embrace everything that God has for us. And by the way, if I can just share this real quick, if you're someone who's not a believer, because you say, well, there's just things that I disagree with about God or about the Bible. Can we just talk about that for a minute? Honestly, if there is an infinite God who created everything and knows anything, aren't there bound to be instances where you and God disagree? 
In fact, what kind of God would we want to believe in who just agrees with everything that we think or do? In fact, I think a case could be made that we don't even agree with ourselves a lot of the time. I mean, think about yourself 10 years ago. Think about what you were doing, what you were thinking, how you were conducting yourself. I mean, would you agree with that person? No. If I could meet myself from 10 years ago, I'd slap myself silly. Like, try, wake up, kid. And, and so now think about this. If you don't agree with yourself 10 years ago, do you think you're going to totally agree with yourself 10 years from now? Probably not. And if we can't even agree with ourselves, why do we put the barrier to belief to say, well, I've got to agree with everything that God has said? No, maybe we're the ones that are changing and growing. Something for us to consider in just a moment. All right, let's go on. In verse 28, Jesus tells him, you got to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then he says this. It says, then as they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, that he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, if you pause there, now listen. This Easter, there's three things that I wanna share with you that I think are important for us to note in light of our current circumstance. The first is this, is that sometimes we don't see Jesus until after the moment. Sometimes we don't see Jesus until after the moment. These two guys sit down for a meal with the person that they've been talking to, and it's only then that they see that it's Jesus that they've been talking to the whole time. Now, here's the thing. Nobody was expecting nobody at the tomb. In fact, the women who followed Jesus went to the tomb. They saw that the body of Jesus wasn't there. They went back, tell the 11 disciples, and listen to this. And this is just a couple verses before in the Gospel of Luke 24, the chapter that we're in. Listen to what it says. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11, that is the disciples, uh, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others who told this to the disciples, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Because that's not what dead people do. They don't rise. Listen, sometimes we don't recognize what God is doing until after the whole thing happens. This is why the longer that you walk with God, if you're someone who is a Christian and you've been walking with God, here's one of the marks that you'll find is that the longer a person walks with God, the greater their trust in God. Because you've lived long enough and experienced enough of God showing up Enough times to where you simply start looking for God in these moments in life where you say, yeah, I know, but it's going to show up. It's going to happen. When my wife and I were first married, we were living in Coral Springs and my uh, wife, Carrie, had taken this job at a bank and 
uh, she had to do some training down in Miami. And so I told her to take my car. At the time, my car was a little better than hers. And so it was a great strategy, except that on her way home the first night, one of her tires blew out on I-75. And so now you got to understand this is a long time ago, all right? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This is before cell phones and electricity and all that. So uh, now, so she gets out of her car. She has this blowout. She pulls over to the side of the road. She gets out of her car and she's dre you know, dressed very well, you know, kind of like banking attire. She opens up the trunk and she goes to get the spare tire out when a tow truck shows up. The guy gets out of the car. He's not the friendliest guy in the world, but he doesn't say one word. He just goes around where my wife is. He grabs the spare tire, grabs the tire iron, grabs the jack, jacks up the car, gets the old tire off, puts the new tire on, and still has not said one word. Afterwards, he puts the blown out tire in the trunk, and then he says, uh, hey, can I see your AAA card? And my, my wife says, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have AAA. And he says, well, we got, a, we got a call that there was a girl with a flat tire that drives a blue Chevy uh, on, 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 on I-75. Well, all right, well, have a nice day. So he gets in the car and in his, his truck and leaves. My wife gets back in the car and leaves. Half a mile down the road, there's a girl with a flat tire in a blue Chevy and, and she drives by. And, and listen, I mean, what are the chances of that happening? Mean, I mean, like one in a million at the least. But it's what happens when God sets something up so much better than we could. And it's why, listen, this situation that we find ourselves in, right? You're watching this from home. And, and, I'm, and I'm teaching this to a mostly empty room, of, except for the, uh, a couple people from the Calvary staff. We have a few mannequins. We have a couple of bobbleheads because, you know, we want to have some variety here. And so now it's not an ideal circumstance by any means, but I can tell you this. The longer that you've walked with God, the more that you're going to expect God to show up in your life. And I can tell you this, listen, as someone who has walked with God now close to 30 years, that we will look back on this season and say, God did something in my life, in my family, in my career, in my future that could not have happened any other way. But sometimes we don't see what God is doing until after he does it. Here's the second thing I want you to know. And that is that one encounter with Jesus can change everything. These two men went from deep sadness to hearts that were burning with joy. And all it took was one conversation with Jesus. That one moment of truth that is, is transferred now to them. This one revelation of eternal realities. And now their lives are never the same. Listen, a lot of times we want things to change. And we think that, uh, you know, we, we want things to change and we think that when I've got to have all of my circumstances to change. Listen, in reality, it's possible for nothing externally to change. And the only thing that changes is my perspective to my current situation. And that's what changes everything. You see, Jesus brought this type of healing to these two men who just were grief-stricken, sad. That word sad literally means that they were gloomy. I mean, they, they were just down. They were depressed. And he brought this healing. I mean, just, just energized them and, and brought joy in a way that nothing else could. Listen, nothing happened in their surroundings, but somehow everything changed. 
Listen, a lot of times we want things to get better, but we try to make things better. All we're doing is really covering up what's wrong, that nothing has really changed. Now, this is a few years ago. We had this weird thing happen at our house where we came home from dinner and as we walked up to the door, I mean, it just, at the front door of our house, it just smelled like something had died. I mean, it was, it smelled horrible and I can't smell anything. I mean, literally, uh, my nose exists to hold up my glasses. That's about it. And so, nothing, terrible smell. The next day, I walk outside and it is horrible. I mean, the smell is just as bad as it was the night before. And I, I take a look around. I don't see anything. I have to come to church um, for meetings. So I leave and I tell my wife, hey, I'm going to figure it out. Uh, I'll figure it out when I get home. So my wife goes outside and she dumps an entire bottle of Febreze outside because the smell is so bad. I come home and she says, hey, how did it smell outside? And I'm like, she's like, I, 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 I you know, poured some stuff out. And I say, well, it, it kind of smelled like a mix between death and Febreze, kind of between the two. And so she asked me to go outside and look again. I can't find anything. The smell is still horrible. And then it was my son's birthday a couple of days later. And so I had to figure this out. So I say to her, and I'm like, listen, I'm going to have to go into the plants, uh, the bushes in front of our house and see if I find anything. So I go into the garage and I grab a shovel and I grab a trash bag to try to find something, and, and my wife starts getting very nervous, and she says, I can't look, I can't, I, I, can't. I have to go inside, because if you find something, I'm gonna scream. So she, got, she, the, she tends all the, the kids inside, and so now I start looking, and a couple minutes later, I find this enormous dead rat. It's not just a rat, and it's not just dead, it is a dead, decaying rat in my bushes, and so, I, I open up the trash bag, and then with one hand, I scoop up the rat with the shovel, and I'm about to put it in. And by the way, if you're eating and watching this, I'd hold off for just a minute. And so I, I, I've got it, and when I pick up the, the, the shovel with the rat on it, and it gets just a little bit higher than the bushes, I hear screaming. And it is my wife and all of my kids looking through my daughter Olivia's window, and, and I said, and she's like, ah! And I'm like, I thought you didn't want to look. She's like, I know, but I just felt safer inside the house and I wanted to look. And I'm like, safer? The thing's already dead. It's even wearing Febreze cologne. And, and listen, here's the thing. This is what we do. There are areas in our lives that are killing us. And we're just Febrezing it to make it smell better. We do this. We do this with every bad decision that we make and then we try to sanitize it and we try to justify it and all we're doing is Febrezing death. Jesus wants to come into our lives and bring healing and hope in the hurts that we have and the fears that we have and the anxiety that we experience. And that pain for some of us, can we be honest? It's been a prison. And, and listen, we do our best to cover it up. We Febreze it, hoping that nobody finds it. And listen, it's no way to live. It's not the way that God wants you to live. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be whole. And one encounter with him can transform your life. Here's the last thing I want to tell you. And that is that the answers come when I keep walking. Jesus reveals himself to these men 
And their response is to get up and start walking back to Jerusalem. I want you to notice they didn't say, wow, that was some deep truth that Jesus shared. We should really sit here and dissect that thoroughly. No, they said, let's go. That's why the text says, if you read it, it says, and they left at once. Jesus shows up, they see him, he disappears, and they're like, we're not even finishing this meal. Let's get up and go. And I think that we can all agree that it took them a lot less time to get back to Jerusalem, those seven miles, than it took them to get from Jerusalem to Emmaus. You see, the answers that we're seeking don't show up when we're in neutral. Instead, the wisdom that we need appears when we keep walking, heading where God wants us to go. You see, sometimes we think this. We're like, you know, I'd follow Jesus if I had a few more answers. That's the wrong way to approach it. What you need to do is say, hey, I'm gonna start following Jesus and here's what you're gonna find. You start following him and the answers follow him. You see, here's, here's the truth. Is, and, and I'm not a fan of NASCAR. I'm sorry if you are or if you're offended by that. I'm not, I'm not I prefer sports that involve a ball. That's all. So, not a vehicle. So, now, here's the challenge that we have, because this is the cool thing about NASCAR, is that it'll tell you, there'll be a big sign that says, number of laps left. And the thing is, is that life doesn't do that for us. It doesn't tell us, hey, number of days left until life gets back to normal. Uh, number of weeks left until, you know, things work out with him or her. Hey, th this is all gonna, no, we don't, we're not told that. We're not told how long we have to walk. Life doesn't give us that sign. But listen, what if some of us are giving up and quitting and we've only got one lap to go? I mean, what if we're giving up and we're, we're just right on the cusp of what God wants to do? We're right on the cusp of the breakthrough that God wants to bring into our lives. Can I just tell you something? God has not forgotten the promises that he's given to you. And if God has given you a promise, you can be sure that he's going to fulfill it. We don't know how many laps we have left. Our job is simply to trust that he's going to do what he's promised to do, and we've got to do what we're called to do while we wait. So, what if you've stopped walking? I mean, what if we gave up and things didn't work out? I mean, what, what if we gave up before our eyes were opened and had that, that moment that these two men had? And I've had that so many times over the years where I've had people come up to me after a service and, 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 and a lot of times with, with tears in their eyes and they'll say, Pastor Bob, I, I wish I had heard this years ago. Uh, it would have saved me so much pain. And, and, but so what, what do I do now? Listen, the reality for most of us is like we've all made mistakes, right? We've, we've all known what the mark is and, and we've missed it. And there's things that have happened in our lives, in our past, that we're not proud of, that we wish we could erase, but we can't change the past, so what do we do? Here's what we do. You just keep walking. But pastor, I messed up my marriage and I don't know if we're gonna make it. Here's, here's what I'm telling you. You start walking and you keep walking. Now, pastor, I wasn't there for my kids and I feel guilty and, and what do I do now? Here's what you do. You start walking and you keep walking. Pastor, but I've messed up. I've messed up my finances so bad. I mean, I don't know if I can ever dig myself out of this hole. Here's what you do. You start walking and you keep walking. But pastor, I walked away from God and, and, and now I'm just coming back. Here's what you do. You start walking and you keep walking. 
because the answers, the change, the transformation, the breakthrough that we want never comes when we stop. It only comes when we start. Because you and I can't change the past. All we can do is start walking and taking steps that create a better future and a better story for us. Listen, life in the quarantine era has been weird for all of us, but one of the things that we have made part of our routine is that just about every day, my wife and I with the kids and the kids will be on their bikes or skateboard or whatever, my wife and I will just kind of hang back and, and we're, just, we're just walking every evening and talking and there's no, there's no real destination. There's no real time limit. We're just, we're just going to walk and we're going to talk and we're going to get some fresh air. And, and I'm telling you that some of the best conversations we've ever had have happened. Some of the biggest decisions that we've thought through have happened. Not because we were worried about getting somewhere at a certain time. We were just, we were just walking. It was always about the journey and getting to know each other better. And maybe... That's the journey that God is inviting you on. Maybe he's asking you to do what Jesus asked all of his disciples to do. Two words. He simply said this, follow me. And maybe this Easter, from your home, this is your opportunity to follow him. Start walking with him. And when you do, eyes are going to be open. And even though everything might look the same, circumstantially. Everything begins to change. And so if that's you, listen, and you say, yeah, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want him to forgive me. I want him to transform me. Then listen, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's a prayer of commitment. It's not a magic formula, but they might be my words, but I know this, that a prayer prayed in sincerity that God will hear, answer, and begin a work of transformation that only he can do in your life. And so if you're bold enough and maybe you're with your family and maybe all of you together, you're just going to pray this, this prayer out loud. And when you do, here's what I want you to do. On the top of this page, you're going to see connection card. I want you to fill that out. And I want you to let me know that you made that decision today because I want to be praying for you. But if you're ready, let me pray for you. And then I want to lead you in a prayer. And Lord, I want to thank you for every person that's about to make this decision. A decision that's not just going to impact today, it's not just going to impact the rest of their lives. It's going to impact eternity starting now. So God, as they call out to you, I pray that you would hear, that you would answer, that you would act, and that this would be the moment that changes everything. Those of you that want to pray with me, you want to invite Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you, to transform your life, so you can leave the past in the past and guilt behind you. I want you to just pray out loud. Just say, dear God, I come to you today, and I'm sorry for all that I've done wrong. But I thank you for Jesus who died for me that I might have life. I want to walk with you starting right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash 
begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.